Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Book Journeys Radio. This is Dr. Angela Loria. I am the founder of the Author Incubator and creator of the Difference Process, 10 Steps to Writing a Book That Makes a Difference. Every week on Book Journeys, we talk to an author about their experience writing their first book. And this week, we've got Lori Ann Rising. She is the author of Who Am I? How to Discover Your Purpose and Live Your Passion. What I love about this book is, um, you know, the way I became a book coach and a publisher was by reading a whole lot of self-help books that um, tried to identify what, what my passion was. And um, it, I got a little stuck in the process because I was reading book after book until I'd read 5,000 books trying to discover what my passion was. And then it occurred to me my passion might be books. <laughs> so, um, Lori, I think you might be in the Girls Who Are Passionate About Books Club. Oh, absolutely. I've been a voracious reader since I was a kid. I actually used to compete with myself to see how many books I could read in one weekend. Tell us about Who Am I, How to Discover Your Purpose and Live Your Passion. Well, that book is really focused on answering that question that you were asking yourself. It's like, okay, what, do I, what am I really passionate about? What do I really want to do? And how exactly do I sort that out? Um, it came out of my background as a life coach um, and really noticing that a lot of people are asking that question. So I created it to help them walk through the process. It, it explains a lot about how to conceptualize things, but not from a life coach. I wanted something that you know, the everyday person could really relate to and apply to their lives. So it's a lot of stories, um, but it does also include exercises to help you get down to those core values that when you really experience them, you feel that joy and that passion kicks in, and it allows you to, to follow that into what you get to do next. Well, it's funny. That's what my blog post is about this week. I talked about my, my search to find the thing that I lost track of time doing. That was one of the big keys mm-hmm. for me in finding my passion. Exactly. So how, so you so you had a background as a life coach. How did you decide to write this book? What was the trigger that made you say, I'm going to turn this into a book? Well, for me, um, one of the things, I, I've been writing since I could hold a pencil. And I, I knew growing up I wanted to write books, but I kept thinking, well, it's fiction. That was the only, you know, connection. And I realized I never finished a fiction story. Uh, when I became a life coach, one of the pieces of that puzzle was realizing that for many people who could really benefit from the support, didn't always have access to it because of the cost. It can get expensive sometimes to, you know, it's absolutely worth it, but for some of the people who are really struggling and feeling lost, that's part of the puzzle is, is the financial piece also. So I wanted to create something that was really accessible and could introduce people to the basic concepts and help them get moving in their life. And I also walked into it with the idea of, well, if fiction isn't working, what if nonfiction could work? And what if I could finish a book? And and how much fun could that be to finally sort of fulfill that piece of myself while helping other people? So. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. So what was it? Because this is the, the you started other books, and yeah, I will tell you, most of the authors I work with have started multiple books. They've got half finished manuscripts. They have books that oh, they yeah. wrote in their head that they never got on paper. So what what mm-hmm. do you made this one different? Um, it honestly, I originally I had started going back through my journals for years. I mean, I, I, you know, I write constantly, uh, and and I started going back through my journals, and I realized every single year, about the same time, I would start talking about wanting to write a book as if it was a new idea, and then I'd forget mm-hmm. about it until the next year, and it would come up again. So, and that I noticed that in my journals for a good like eight. 10-year period, and I finally went, well, why don't I just finish one? Why don't I just finish one? So was there a certain, what was the time of year? What do you think, what was the pattern? What was the deal with the time of year? What did that mean to you? I, you know, it was about May or June, that those summer months, and I never really thought about what the significance of that is, other than, you know, I love the spring and the rebirth and new ideas, and, you know, it may have just been something with that, but it was always about May or June. Every year. I think that's fascinating. Uh, okay. one, of, uh, one of the 10 steps to writing a book that makes a difference is called Focus Your Author Mojo. And it's really about looking at yourself, taking some honest inventories like that one, looking at your journals and figuring out when am I most productive, when do the muses want to visit me, do I like writing in the morning, or is it just that people say that? Is there something special about mm-hmm. May and June for me? You know, what is it that really gets your inner author to want to come out and play? So I love mm-hmm. that you discovered that, and when you can harness that without the whole story of, you know, there's been eight days when I've started a book and haven't finished, and when you, you know, I like how you flip that story, and you're like, oh, I always want to write a book in May. I should do that. Instead of mm-hmm. like, how come I've started it eight times and I haven't finished? What's wrong with me? I'm a failure. Well, I went so, through that phase too, but you know, yeah, this, this I think one, that's part of our uh, part of everyone's journey. There must be a certain amount of self abuse. Oh yeah, yeah. So, what is it that you? This, this is. I'm really asking for advice for people that are in that spot you were. Maybe you know it, those ten years when you wanted to write a book but didn't finish them. What is it that? really you wish you knew that would have pushed you over the edge sooner? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, I can say some of the things that really held me back. You know, Mm -hmm. I, for me personally, which is actually part of what got me into life coaching, to be honest, was the growing up being told all of the things I should do Mm. were not compatible with any of the things I dreamed about as a kid, and I fell into doing all the stuff I should do and left all of my dreams behind. And when my mom had a brain aneurysm when she was 49, um, yeah, it was completely unexpected. Um, You know, at that point in time, I had a job that, I mean, I loved the people that I worked with, but it was not a job that really, you know, I felt passionate about. You know, I had the job, I had the marriage, I had two little kids. My daughter was actually only 12 days old at that time. And it really put me in a place where I started questioning everything. Like, okay, I've done everything I thought I should do and life is falling apart. What do I need to do different? So 
I, I fell in love with life coaching by working with a life coach who really walked me through that process. And I realized, you know what? I'm not the only one asking these questions, and I want to get it out there. So part of the process was beginning to give myself permission and to start removing the blocks for myself. And even as I started the writing process, of course, even more of the mental and emotional blocks came up, and it was a matter of walking myself through those, acknowledging them, recognizing them. And even sometimes they would stop me for a few weeks, and I'd have to sort of pick myself back up and get going again. So it's, it's in part the discipline to keep going and acknowledge those pieces and, and the willingness to do them. I think that is them. fantastic advice. We, um, one of the steps in the 10-step process is release your blocks, and the key to releasing them is awareness. You don't have to change them. But if you can observe them and say, what's stopping me here? Did you work with a coach? Obviously, you had coaching tools because you had been trained. (laughs) Yeah, I had coaching tools. To be honest, at the time, I wasn't aware that author coaching existed. Um, So in being a coach and and a mom, I thought, okay, I can do this. I'm a writer. And, you know, honestly, at the time, I think I was a little bit arrogant about the process. But it, I, I didn't wind up having the support for myself. I thought I could do it all myself. I'm like, I've been a writer forever. I can do this. And it was fascinating to me to walk through it completely on my own because I actually didn't know the other resources even existed to tap into. Um, So, I mean, I had my friends that were kind of aware and they were supportive, but they didn't under, they weren't writers. They didn't understand the process. Yeah, sometimes what, sometimes what, so, yeah, sometimes what friends will do, it's awesome, everything's awesome, and right. that's nice and supportive, but it can also slow you down in some ways. You know, like, no, 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 I swear to God, I'm terrible. <laughs> right. I'll let and you then, on there's it. The, then there's the other piece of the people who are like, yeah, it's great, and I'm like, okay, well, what would work better? It's like, well, I don't know. Okay, that's not very helpful, <laughs> you know, and I get it because they they don't, see, you know, they can read it and say, yes, it's great, or no, it doesn't work for me, but they can't always tell you why. And it was the deeper, like, why? I need to know how to improve it. And that was the stuff they they weren't, they just didn't have the training and background to be able to provide. So it was that kind of stuff having to work through also. And, And really, you know, I'd never written a book. I'd written articles and stuff or in my journal, but, you know, the process of, okay, how do I break this content down into chapters and give it a structure that works without giving it so much structure that it feels dead and all of the balancing acts in between. So. And so now that you've been through the process, what would you recommend to somebody that was writing? Would you recommend to work with a coach or an editor or how would you find how would you go about if you were if you were to do it all over again, how would you go about finding help? And what kind of help if, and support do you think authors should have? If I was to do it over, definitely having somebody like an author coach, especially at the initial stages, to help talk through the content. Um, sometimes just having a sounding board is helpful if nothing else. But also to help with some of the internal stuff that's going to come up. I mean, just, you know, many, many times I would feel this sense of, you know, if I put it in writing, I'm, I'm incredibly vulnerable somehow. That piece is going to be naked in the world, you know, and 
some of those things that you go through on a mental level, having a coach to walk through those, help manage them, all of that is helpful. Editors are incredibly helpful as well, especially if the content starts coming together to help with the structure and, and you know, the smoothing out of it. But one of the things I was in some ways sort of blindsided by, I hadn't even thought that far ahead, was the marketing piece. And how yeah, much so let's talk about that. Integrated. <laughs> You know, it's like, I got my book done. That's a great segue, because people are like, yeah, the book is done. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. So what have you, what what would you, what do you wish you knew going in about marketing? Oh, everything. I, (laughs) it was, you know, the, the idea of building an audience for it, either ahead of time or during the process, hadn't even occurred to me, let alone all of the ways that that's possible. You know, and then once it is done, now how do I tell people about it and get it out into the world? And, and you know, technology continues to change. So how do I integrate all of these different pieces? And, and it can get really overwhelming really fast. So how do I prioritize and break it all down into something that's actually effective and I can manage and it works for me? And, you know, there's the other support people in the process, whether it's the web designer or the social media expert or the PR media and, you know, do I self-publish or go with a publisher and and all of those different questions I didn't even think of until my first copy of my book was in my hand. And then I was like, oh, okay, well now I need to change a couple of things and, you know, it, it was definitely, you know, couple of steps forward and a few steps back for quite a while in that learning curve. So so what I say is everybody's book takes them on a, a book journey, and everyone's book journey is unique. Your publishing journey is particularly unique. Why don't you talk about how you first published your book and then what you learned and how you changed it? Yeah, it's, when I first did the book, um, actually originally, and I don't know if it's still out in the world or not, I actually did it the first time as a workbook only. There really wasn't much of the story um, to it. And then I realized once that was done, nobody buys workbooks. So I had to go back and completely rewrite it and restructure it um, so that it was more for the audience that I wanted to reach instead of what I thought it should be um, because there was a little bit of a, a disconnect there. So the the soft cover that's available um, is actually was published in 2008. Um, the title is slightly different, and it's actually under my former ma- uh, married name. Um, so the, the name of the author is different. It's the same person, but it's, it's slightly different. Um, it's still called, just for people looking at it on Amazon, it's still called Who Am I? So if you correct. go to Amazon and you look for Who Am I, the, um, the hardcover is Who Am I? How to answer the single most important question you'll ever ask. So you can look mm-hmm. that up on Amazon. Yeah, and that, that was, was published under... phase two. <laughs> yeah, that was actually phase two. And technology has changed so much. I wanted to get it onto Kindle and release it, um, you know, additional access for people. So that was actually done this year. Uh, and, and that is couple... called Who Am I? How to Discover Your Purpose and Live Your Passion. I like mm-hmm. both subtitles. Why the change? 
Um, the change actually had to do with uh, some feedback I got from a marketing person that I worked with, to be honest. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I, I, it would probably be interesting to see which title connects with which type of audience and do some market research, and I, I just haven't had the chance to do that. So. so what I see the difference as, and, and, you know, go with me on this, just as people are thinking about their book titles, um, the first book title is how to answer the subtitle, um, how to answer the single most important question you'll ever ask, and the question is, who am I? Mm -hmm. Which feels broad, that feels really big, because who am I can mean lots of things to lots of people. And a lot mm -hmm. of uh, authors, especially first-time authors, are trying to make their book reach as many people as humanly possible. Um, so mm -hmm. that will work if you were, you know, 12 or 112. And then you focus down here on the second subtitle is, it's still who am I is the question, but now the subtitle is how to discover your purpose and live your passion. That feels mm -hmm. much more specific and maybe even to a smaller group of people. 12-year-olds and 80-year-olds might be less interested in that. So why would you go narrow? Um, actually, in part, my target market is more narrow mm. than that, um, so it fits more. And the words, you know, passion and, and those kinds of things connect more with the benefits that the book offers. And so they're more of a, um, you know, connected at, at that value place. I mean, yes, answering the question is important. And we don't always do in our lives what is important. We do what we emotionally connect to. So, right. You know, working with and I like that you went you know. went even further in the new description where you talk about what are you going to get out of this book? How to find your purpose in life? How to use your emotions for growth instead of drama? We could all use a little more of that. And how mm -hmm. to make empowered choices in life? Those are very specific benefits for a much more specific reader than you know mm -hmm. how to effectively navel gaze. <laughs> right. And that, that comes out of um, an awareness on my own part as I've learned through the marketing process that it's actually easier to sell more copies if your language is more targeted to an individual than to a group, which is kind counterintuitive, of counterintuitive. but true. Yeah, I think it's not true. only counterintuitive. It seems to bring up some really deep fears for people. You know, yeah, it, 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 yeah. it's... It it's for such a small group of people, and, but this would help more people. Like it brings up a whole bunch of stuff that goes beyond, you know, book marketing. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's interesting to me, one of the things I have realized in my own writing process and, and trying to learn how to connect with individuals through writing is that a book is a one-to-one -one conversation, you know, between the book and the reader. So even if it's 1,000 copies or 10,000 copies, every time one is read, it's a one-to-one -one conversation. So if I write it as a one-to-one -one conversation, more people are going to enjoy it. So it's, it's switching around my, my own thought process to go, I'm going to focus on one person so that anybody who comes across this actually feels as if they are the one person I'm talking to, which is where the connection is made. So love that. It's it's a kind of flipping things on their head in some way, and it, it takes some getting used to. But I've 
it's far more successful, I have found, to, to work at that, that level. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And I think if you are listening to this and you're struggling with your title and this is bringing up stuff for you or if you're like, no, 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 that's not good advice, like that's all the more <laughs> reason to, to look into this and to really explore it because there's a lot here. It seems like a pretty subtle um, it seems like a subtle change, but I think it makes the book much more powerful. And there's another mm-hmm. subtle change I noticed. Your your cover changed. Not that much, um, but your cover changed a little. So what happened with your cover? Did you work with a different designer? How did you make those decisions? Um, actually, to be honest, I handed that over to the marketing person I worked with, and that was their feedback, and I thought, well... I'm not really attached to how it looks, so why not give it a try? I mean, I'm, I love continuing, you know, to learn in the process and working with people and, and the feedback I was getting wasn't that the old one was bad, um, but, you know, just, well, this might be a new and different look and why not go with that? And, okay, great. There's also, I have learned in the process, um, the color red it's can actually, at a subconscious level, connect with ideas of caution and, you know, some of that kind of stuff. So part of, part of the process as well, would it be different if we changed the color a little bit or the color scheme of it? So, you know, right. again, so, just so if you're not looking, if you're not looking, Lori's cover went from being white with red to white with purple. And the mm-hmm. second thing she did was she added a gold frame around it. So it's pretty mm-hmm. similar, but the purple mm-hmm. kind of sends a different message than the red. Um, the red almost looks a little more like a business book, but it has that subconscious stop message that she's talking mm-hmm. about, whereas the purple seems a little more open and um, self-exploratory. And mm-hmm. the frame, I think this is probably um, just a just a little secret of Amazon is if you like white covers, they work really well in bookstores, but on Amazon they don't pop because most people are looking at Amazon on a white background. And so that gold frame really makes the book pop off the page. Right, especially when you're looking at a a digital version. It's the same idea. And and the one with the frame is a Kindle only. So it it actually works better in terms of of the digital download aspect aspect also. Right. Okay. So let's talk about um, publishing. You self-published. Did you think about working with an agent or a publisher? And if not, why not? Um, Actually, the um, original, the soft cover version actually was with a publisher initially, um, which was a wonderful process. Um, it was accepted, and at the time she said it was you know so well written they 're going to skip several phases of the of the publishing process and just go straight into the proofreading and get it done. I thought, "Ah, oh, fabulous, How awesome is that um, Unfortunately, before they were able to get it to market um, she she actually wound up becoming very ill and having to shut down her publishing company so i re- I got my rights back. Um, and I thought, well, I've waited this long. I want to get it out at this point. So I went ahead and self-published it from there, and and just like you know, just get it to market and and go with it. So 
I've actually gone both routes, I guess, in that sense. Um, the Kindle. What do you think are the advantages and disadvantages of working with a publisher or doing it on your own? Well, there's there's pros and cons either way in my mind. Um, I have a lot of respect for the publishing houses and the agents, and there are many ways in which they can be very helpful, especially for established authors. I, I admit I do have a personal bias towards the self-publishing, especially as far as the technology has come, the ability for the author to you know, retain some control in the process, um, and the acknowledgement too that if you're, you know, whether you're self-publishing or using a traditional publisher, the marketing is in your hands. So in, in my mind, it's like, well, if I'm going to do all the work to get it out there and go with that, technology has come so far that I might as well retain the rights and royalties as well. At the same time, especially as, a, you know, at least what I have seen, as authors move forward in their career and have additional books, there is a lot of value that a publisher can bring to the process in terms of understanding how to position a book, market a book. They may not do it for you, but they can provide advice in that area that you may or may not see, and, and there's additional value for a publisher as well. So each person, each author I have seen, they take a different route depending on what their goals are in the process, depending on how much um, knowledge they have themselves in the process and what they have access to. There's, I, I don't think there's a bad route to take. It's just really what does the author want to do with their book at the end of the process and, and how best to access those. And, and either one can work. So. Yeah, it's terrific advice. Step uh, step nine in the ten step difference, the ten step process to writing a book that makes a difference, is create your masterpiece. And the reason that step is there is no right or wrong way to publish. But what I find a lot of authors do is they kind of go in blind and they don't realize they might be giving away their copyright and not realize what that means. Mm -hmm. They might be mm -hmm. signing up to self-publish when they're just not good at details, and their book could have gotten out or could have looked better. Uh, you know, gone mm -hmm. out sooner or, or looked better because that's just not where their strength is. It's not publishing is absolutely not rocket science. Anyone who can write a book can certainly do it. But is that where you want to use your resources? It may mm -hmm. be, it may not be, and it really depends on the book and the author. But being conscious of it, I think, is the most important thing that that a lot of people just miss because mm -hmm. they think writing is ninety percent, and writing is you know probably not even 50% when you think about Yeah, right. writing is just the starting point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I usually ask yeah. them, like, what percentage did you think writing was going to be of, of <laughs> becoming an author, and what percentage is it in reality? What, what's, that, what's, what's your answer to that one? Um, I think part of it depends on the phase. I mean, obviously, in the writing process itself, it's probably good 80 to 90%. Once, once the main content is done, it completely shifts though and the focus goes into you know, the marketing and all of the other details and even the building of the rest of your career around what is the content because a lot of it, especially nonfiction, you know, when it's a how to or personal development types of things, it's there's you know, there's the rest of the career around it. And so 
how to build that in and 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 make it all work together. I you know the the focus. I think there's a pendulum to it, and you know for the most part. I mean, unless somebody's writing several books every year, which is not typically how they do it. Stephen King. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, usually it's more okay one one book a year or every couple of years. So if you you know the the majority of your time is actually in all of the other places, whether it's the researching yeah. or the marketing or out talking to people or, or doing something else, if there's a career tied to it, that you know, whether it's coaching or speaking or, or other types of things, it's, it's all the other stuff that goes so we've along got with about, it. So we've got about a minute left, and in our last minute, um, I'd love to hear from you. What is the best thing? that has come out of being a published author for you? <laughs> the best thing for me has been, well, it's twofold. It's been a sense that I can do this and I, I am good at it. And the way in which it has shifted the direction of my own career and getting to do more of what I really love to do the most. You know, people have seen it, approached me, and I've been able to connect with people far more. Um, you know, that credibility, the expertise, and you know, like I said, just being able to do more of what I love to do with and for other people. What I love about that, Lori, is that your book is called How to Discover Your Purpose and Your and Live Your Passion. And through writing your book, you've really done that in your own life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was It was discovering it, writing about it, and learning to live it through the process, um, it, it's all really so. So many right? authors, so many authors say, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not there yet, but I don't know my purpose and my passion. How can I write that book? And I think it's great to see how you can discover that. You don't have to have everything perfectly tied up with a bow to write your book. Oh no, not at all. Sometimes it's the writing process itself that allows you to find the answers. Absolutely. So Lori Ann Rising is the author of Who Am I? How to Discover Your Purpose and Live Your Passion. Lori, I feel like I could talk to you for another hour. Thank you so much for all your great advice today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Terrific. Well, we will be back next week uh, for another book journey. And uh, with that, we are changing the world one book at a time. Begin the rest is still unwritten.